This lecture is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor David Kogel. Let's get back to John chapter 14. All right, as we know, we've been covered, when we got down through chapter 13, Jesus had that uh, conversation with the disciples and just beginning to really explain to them a lot of things, and he'll continue to do that in chapter 14 of what's going on as he heads towards the cross. And of course, he made known to everyone who would betray him, and Judas uh, has gone out, and he's preparing to, to uh, do that. <clears throat> And we can imagine, we talked about, we can imagine the, the atmosphere, the, the thinking of the disciples of the, some of the things Jesus has been telling them. I mean, it, it was kind of really depressing to them because they're, they're going to be losing Jesus and he, he's going to be going away and, and he's going to the cross and all these things. And then, uh, you know, he had to rebuke some of the disciples in chapter 13. And of course, uh, they not knowing that Judas was going to do what he did. So as we got into chapter 14, just briefly, Jesus wanted to kind of help these disciples, letting them know, because uh, this is a close uh, connection between chapter 13 and chapter 14. And as the disciples had, some of them had been rebuked, Peter had been rebuked, uh, and, and many there, uh, as Jesus instructed them, hey, I'm leaving you. And uh, so they, of course, were told about the one that would betray them and Peter. And so all this depression had started to filter into them. And, and Christ said, you know what? I need to bring a little bit of encouragement here. I need to try to help them. You know, that, that's what the Lord does for us. There are times in our life when we go through these deep, dark times of things that, that happen that we wasn't expected or things in our life. And, and I'm so glad we can turn to the Scriptures and we listen to the Holy Spirit and we can get comfort in those things. Um, so that's why he started off verse 14, uh, chapter 14, verse 1, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. So he just wanted to set the stage there to say, listen, I know you're troubled right now, but I don't want you to be. I want you to keep believing in me. I'm going, I'm going to be leaving, but believe in me. And uh, then he, of course, mentioned how that uh, he's going to prepare a place for them. And, uh, and so verse 3, if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. So all of those three verses are really comforting to the disciples, even though there's still questions in the back of their mind, as we see on down in this, in this chapter here. But they are starting to be comforted about what Jesus is saying. And, uh, you know, that's the, I will come again. That's just wonderful words. I'm so thankful that it's the Lord coming back for us. He's not sending anyone else but it's the Lord Himself that's coming for us. And so uh, then we start to hear some questions from some of the disciples here. Uh, 
And verse 5, Thomas said unto him, Lord, we know not whether thou goest, how can we know the way? So, yes, they are still overwhelmed with this prospect of, of Jesus leaving. They're still, still wondering about how all this is going to happen, when it's going to happen. And Thomas doesn't understand the meaning of Christ's statement here. And Thomas ob objects to that because he doesn't know where Christ is going. Well, you said you're leaving. Where are you going? You know, he, he doesn't know that, much less the way to get there. So he doesn't know all of So those were legitimate things that they're asking there. Jesus said unto him, and this is, of course, the famous I am statement, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So the, the only way uh, uh, is Christ. He's the only door to heaven, and we know that. And he is the truth and he is the life, and we really cannot approach the Father unless we do it through Christ. And so those, those, uh, that great I am statement there is something that we use all the time, and it should be told to this world we live in today that Jesus is the only way. You know, the world wants to say, no, there's many ways. The world wants to come up with something different all the time, <clears throat> that we can get to heaven and they preach that stuff to, to people and people, you know, want to believe those things. But Christ is the only way that hasn't changed, never will change. So we get to verse 7, kind of where we pick up where we left off here. If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. From henceforth you know him and have seen him. So, uh, to know Christ, and this is what Jesus is saying over and over again, to know Christ is to know the Father. Now, did the disciples know Christ? Yeah, they, they, they had walked with Him. They, they had ministered with Him. They had been with Him. They, they had listened to His preaching and teaching, and they knew Christ. And so what He's saying to them, you know, if you know Me, listen, you know the Father. And he'll, he'll emphasize that over and over again. Verse 8, Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Turn, if you will, to Exodus chapter 33 for just a minute. Because Philip is what, what Philip is actually asking here. He's asking that Jesus will manifest God's glory to them. I mean, he, he really wants to see something that will say to him, this is the Father. And it's, it's exactly what Moses asked at one time. In Exodus 33 and verse number 18, and notice that very first verse, he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. And that's, that's kind of what Philip is saying to Jesus too. Show me that, show me the glory here. Show me something that I can see here. He wanted a manifestation of the glory. And you remember what God told Moses? He said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee. I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And he said, Thou canst not see my face, 
for there shall no man see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me, thou shalt stand upon a rock, and it shall come to pass, while my glory passeth by, that I will put thee in a cleft of the rock, and will cover thee with my hand while I pass by. You know, we sang that old song, He hideth me in the cleft of the rock. And I will take away mine hand, and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. So Moses wanted to see the glory of God. He wanted to see a manifestation of that. And Philip said, you know what? If you show me something, show us all something, Christ, that will suffice us. That will, that will get us to what we can understand here. So go back to chapter 14 in John. Verse number 9, Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. How sayest thou then, show us the Father? So Jesus answered him in that respect, I don't need to do anything special here for you, Philip, and the rest of the disciples right now. Y'all, y'all have been with me. Y'all have watched me. you see me do miracles. So he says, that I've been with you for quite a while here. And so you, once again, you're seeing the Father through the Son. And throughout his ministry, and we covered some of this back in chapter 1, verse 18, and chapter 10, verse 30, Jesus said the same thing. Now, verse 10, Believest thou not that I am in the Father? and the Father in me. The words, notice those two, two uh, things in this verse. First of all, we see the words that I speak unto you. I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, and he doeth, and here's the next thing, works. So we got the words of Christ. We see the works of Christ. And both of those things, Jesus is still relating that to the Father. You see, Jesus came to do the Father's will. So the things that he said, the miracles that he performed, he was doing exactly what he was supposed to do. The words and the works of Christ. Surely they, uh, they should have indicated the relationship between God the Father and God the Son. Verse 11, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works sake. So once again, we see that word works there. You see, at this particular time, the disciples were weak in their strength. They were weak. And that's why Jesus is trying to prepare them. That's why the Holy Spirit will, will talk about it in just a little bit will come on the scene and will give them the, the, the strong faith that they need to do the things that they are going to be called to do. But right now he's saying, listen, you need to believe on what I've said and or either just believe in the works that I've done. You know, we talked about the crowds that followed Jesus many times for just the works, the miracles. and, and uh, But then later on they, they would leave. They, they wouldn't stay. But the works that, that Christ did made an impression on many people. And I'm sure they were followers of Christ because just because of the works that he had done. Verse 12, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, 
the works that I do shall he also or do also and greater works. Notice that now. Then these shall he do because I go to the Father. And I want to explain that greater works. That doesn't mean that we are going to do something greater than Christ could do. But it's interesting that we need to remember here is that the works of Christ, when he was on this earth, they were limited to that small geographical area that he was in. And you remember he came to minister to the Jew first, and then it went to the Gentiles. So it's kind of like a smaller area and to a, a particular type of people. Now, when the disciples are going to be going out, they're going to be going all over the place. Remember how Danny's talked about some of them that were down in this country and over in this country and took the message to this country and they were martyred over here and, and there. And, and all of these, so they went not only to a greater area, but they went to all people. Remember the vision that Peter had and told him, hey, you, you're, not, you're not just going to be doing a certain, I mean, you're going to take it to everyone. So that's the greater works that verse 12 is talking about here. Now verse 13, and whatsoever ye ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father and may be glorified in the Son. Let's put verse 14 with it. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. No wonder we pray our prayers and we say in Jesus' name. Because that's, that's what he said. We should ask these things in his name. So once again, and I, I think we need to remember here the relationship between the works and the prayer. The works and the prayer. Uh, turn to Acts chapter 1, if you will. I want to show you a couple of things about prayer uh, that is so important. Acts chapter 1, verse 14. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. So we see down the road here, this prayer is going to be very important to them that they continue to pray. Jump down to chapter 2 or turn over to chapter 2, verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. So they, they didn't let this prayer thing go away. They continued to use it. Chapter 3, verse 1 in Acts. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. They had set aside that particular time. There was an hour that they said, we're going to stop everything we're doing and we're going to go pray. And then one more in chapter 4 and verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. You see how prayer is such an important factor back then and it hasn't changed today. I am afraid though that people don't take time to pray. Our world makes us so busy. We got so many other things on our mind that got to get done and people pulling us in all directions that maybe 
We, we all, I'm guilty of it too. I don't pray as much as I need to. And I find myself stopping and say, hey, I haven't spent time talking with the Lord today. And especially if I'm going to be doing something for the Lord, I definitely want to pray and ask for His help. And so it is very important that we realize here the effective prayer that is in Jesus' name. That means it's in agreement with Christ. I think the result of prayer brings glory to the Father. It doesn't bring self-glorification. You know, somebody said, I'm so thankful that you prayed for me. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I, I remembered you in prayer. I'm glad I did pray for you. And then they say, but God did some great things in my life because of your prayer. Well, you know, it wasn't anything that I did except pray, but it's, it's the Lord who worked the miracle. It's God who did the great work. And he did it because I was obedient to pray. And other people pray. No wonder we have a prayer list that's, that's full of people. And it's there because people need our prayers. And if we want to see people's names come off of that list, then get busy praying, amen. Stay steadfast in your praying. So it is very important. All right, back to John. And let's pick up at number verse number 15 in chapter 4. And he's used these words many times before, the words love and commandments. We see that over and over again. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I think that the reason why Christ continues to do that is he wants us to, to get in our minds, listen, we can say, stand and sing, oh, how I love Jesus, but it's another thing to go out of these doors and do the commandments that the Lord has asked us to do. So he's saying here that it's not something that's sentimental type of thing. It's just, it shouldn't be just an emotional type of thing, but it's an obedience to the commandment of God. If I read it in his word and I realize that's what he wants me to do, it may not be something that I, that's pleasant to do. It may not be something that I want to do, but hey, it's a commandment of the Lord. And if I love the Lord, I'll do that. I think I've said it before. Have you ever found if you really love someone here on earth, you'll do almost anything you can for them. I know when those grandchildren came along, ain't nothing I don't want to do for them. I mean, if I could do it, I'll do it. Why? I love them. Well, it should be an even stronger love for Christ. And say, hey, I want to do what I can for Him. Now, we get into the important thing of the Holy Spirit here. In verse number 16, And I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another Comforter, that He may abide with you forever. You know, I often wondered why the word said another comforter. And then as I studied into it more, you remember at the beginning of chapter 14, what is Christ doing? He's comforting them. So Christ is there. He's that comforter for them right now. But he says, I'm going away. I'm not going to leave you like orphans. I'm going to send a comforter, another comforter. And of course, we know this other comforter here is going to be the Holy Spirit. And that word comforter in the Greek, parakletos, means this, one called alongside to help. 
Aren't you thankful that as we're going through things in life that we can call and ask the Holy Spirit to help us and He's there alongside of us to do that? I think many times we forget about that resource a little bit and we don't ask for that help that we need. But Christ is going to pray to the Father and He is going to send a helper, another comforter. So this comforter would do, be of the same quality and character as Christ is right now to them. The comforter would be their God now to them. No wonder we say God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three in one. So he's very important. And don't you love the last word in verse number six? He may abide with you just sometimes just when you need him? No, forever. Forever. So what a wonderful thing it is to have the comforter that's going to remain forever. Now here's the definition of the comforter. Verse 17. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, I can see him pointing his fingers at all the disciples. For he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. So it's very important that he is the spirit of truth. You know, there's not a lot of things we can trust in today to be true. All you hear about now is scam, scam, scam. People getting scammed over everything. They lose money. They lose possessions. They lose all kinds of things because people scam them. Well, you don't have to worry about the Holy Spirit doing that. He is the Spirit of truth. He is the helper. He is the Holy Spirit. Uh, we also find in chapter 16 and verse number 13. If you turn over a little bit, we'll get to that later on, Lord willing. How be it when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. So when the Holy Spirit whispers something in your ear, in your heart, we can be assured we can follow that. We can be assured we can listen to that. Because a lot of people will tell you things that you should do, but it might not be the true thing. It might not be the right thing to do. But when you pray, when you ask the Holy Spirit leading and you listen to Him, He is going to guide you into the right way, into the true way. Okay, back at chapter 14, verse 17, as we look more into this definition of the Holy Spirit. Now, what else did He say about Him? The world cannot receive the Spirit. What does that mean? An unsaved person doesn't have the Holy Spirit within them. They will not receive the Spirit unless they are saved, born again. And this Holy Spirit would have a twofold ministry. He would dwell with them. So that means He'll be in the midst of them. And He would be in them. So he's going to dwell within. 
So we need to realize that, that the, the world will, will not have the Holy Spirit. That's why we shouldn't take advice and counsel from the world. But we should take advice and counsel from godly people and listen to the Holy Spirit himself. So very important there. Verse 18, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Comfortless means I'll not leave you like orphans that don't have no nowhere to go, nothing to do. Now, you know, they had that feeling as Christ went to the cross. You know, as, as all those events happened in the garden and they came and arrested Christ and, and took him away, and they, they probably felt like orphans for, for a little while there. But it wasn't going to be long till they did exactly what Christ is going to tell them to do, go and wait for the promise that I told you about, that that comforter is going to come. So they, they were not going to be left comfortless, but he said, I will come, Christ will be with them, and that's what I mean, he will come through the Holy Spirit. Don't take away the Holy Spirit, God the Father, God the Son, don't try to confuse things about that that three in one and say one's more important than the other and one doesn't mean anything as much as that. I mean, that, that that's not what we should be focusing on. All three are going to help in every situation. And we'll talk about that in just a minute, how that really works. Verse 19, Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me, because I live ye shall live also. So very soon now, we know the world that, that hated him that's going to be yelling, crucify him. And they'll not be able to see him anymore. Especially those that are not born again. The disciples will see him and they, they will see him because they're spiritually alive. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit will glorify Christ to them. Uh, back over there in chapter 16 in that next verse, verse 14 says, He shall glorify me for he shall receive of mine and will show it unto you. So Christ doesn't try to keep anything from his children. He doesn't try to keep us in the dark. He doesn't try to leave us alone. He doesn't none of those things. He's provided things for us. He's provided the Holy Spirit as a comforter. He's provided His Word for us to be a roadmap for us to follow. He's provided the great thing of prayer that we can talk to Him and He can talk to us. All of these things the Lord takes care of us as His children. Verse 20, At that day, ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye are in me, and I in you. And this is what I'm talking about as far as the, the three in one here. In the day when the Holy Spirit will come, they will recognize the relationship between Father and Son and themselves. Christ in the Father, the disciples are in Christ, and Christ in the disciples. I mean, it all works together. It all works hand in hand. And it's very important. Verse 21. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father. And I will love them, him, and will manifest 
myself to him. True love is demonstrated how? Jesus has told us over and over again by keeping his commandments. If you really love me, you'll keep my commandments. Love and obedience to Christ will cause the Father to love us like he wants to love us. You see, it's like the Father looking down and saying, look at them. They're reading God's Word. They're obeying the commandments. They're doing what they should be doing. And I love them for that because they're following my Son and His Word. So that is something that, that, that He recognizes that is happening there. Christ will love those who obey and He will reveal Himself to them through the Holy Spirit and through His Word. You know, sometimes you hear people say, man, I, I just feel like I, I haven't, the door of heaven is shut and I haven't heard anything from the Lord and, and He hasn't spoke to me and He hasn't helped me and He hasn't done this for me and answered my prayer. And hey, you know what? Let's do a double check with ourselves and make sure that we're doing what we're supposed to do. A lot of times we want God to do everything on our command and I'll beckon will, but have we showed our love to Him all week long? Have we done what we can do to show how much we love Him if we expect Him to want to do something in our life miraculously? So it is very important that we listen to the Spirit and the Spirit works through the Word of God as well. Now, we shift gears a little bit to Judas. Verse 22, Judas said unto him, and of course the Bible gets it clear right from the start, because where's Judas Iscariot at? He's already gone out to prepare to do what he wanted to do. This is not Judas Iscariot. Lord, how is it that thou will manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? <laughs> Judas is thinking of Christ is going to stand up and reveal himself to the world as King of Kings, Lord of Lords, the Messiah. You know, people have already been asking him that. And some of them have been mad because they feel like that's what he's there to do. But then he, then he didn't come to, to take away the Roman rule like they thought he would. So here Judas is saying, you know what? Christ, before we go, go through all these other things, why don't you just make yourself known, make a big announcement here to the world that you, that's who you are? Well, the world wouldn't have believed him anyway. In fact, we find out what they wanted to do to him. We know what they wanted to do to him because he was standing up and doing what the Lord, the Father had told him to do. So we find here that, that this, uh, this Judas is asking him this question here. He is really has that limited revelation of who the Messiah is at this point. Verse 23, Jesus answered, said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. That word abode is important too. He that loveth me not, he that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings, and the word which he hear is not mine, notice that, but the Father's which sent me. So the answer to Judas here, question and so forth, 
Christ is just saying this. The answer of Christ is based on obedience. The Father and the Son will come only to those who love Him and prove their love to Him. And that's what that word means, abode. He abode. That's what the Holy Spirit came, was going to come to do. It's come to abode with Him, be with Him, just like He is with us today. Father and the Son will make their home in the believer. But what about these people who disobey the Word of God? That's a rejection of the Father. That's a rejection of His Word. And so he's very blunt about that and saying that those that do not keep His sayings or the Word, they don't hear Him. They're not the Father. You can tell folks who really love the Lord, who love His Word, and you can tell people who don't care about either one. They may have a facade on the outside where they look like a, a child of God or they look like a Christian. But that will come out. You will, you will definitely know that. Verse 25, These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, and we've talked about that, and he tells it exactly who he is, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Christ has said a whole lot of things to these disciples in these last couple of days up there. And they're not going to remember everything that he said, but Jesus is saying when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to help you remember some of these things that I have said unto you. He's going to bring these things back to your mind. The Lord knows that I need help sometimes with my mind. <laughs> I cannot remember things unless I write them down. Put them down somewhere. I'll, I'll forget it. But you know, isn't it wonderful that there are many times right out of the blue, the Holy Spirit will help me remember a scripture that I need to help t tell someone or be a comfort to someone or some thoughts that would just help them in that time. And I rely so heavily on the Holy Spirit to do that. And He does. I don't ever want to preach or teach without the Holy Spirit helping me. I tell you, and I never do it without asking Him to do that. Because I know I need that. Because there are things that I hadn't even planned on saying that the Holy Spirit will bring to me while I'm teaching or preaching. And these things is what needed to be said but it's through the Holy Spirit's leading and helping. And the same thing will go with you when you're talking to someone about Christ or just being a comfort to someone. You can rely on the Holy Spirit to do these things. Verse 27, Peace I leave you with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. We can talk of the word peace, but I tell you, it's a, it's a big difference when he says, my peace. Can you imagine that? The Lord's peace, the peace that the Lord had in this whole situation. Boy, that, that's peace right there. That's peace we really don't understand. We can't even grasp on. But that's the kind of peace that we need. Peace and the hour of sorrow for these disciples. But Jesus promised this unique kind of peace here, my peace. And that peace is so different from the world's peace. 
I mean, the peace that would calm and trouble fearful hearts. And that's what we need many times in things we go through. Only God can give us that kind of peace that would help us. And it's very important. You know, you praying, when you're going through something, pray for that. Lord, give me your peace. I need your peace in this situation. Something that really will help me and comfort me and bring me through that. Verse 28, ye have known, you have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. If ye love me, ye would rejoice. Look at that word. That's probably the furthest thing from the disciples' minds right now. Rejoicing over Christ leaving. Because I said, and this is the reason why they can rejoice. Because I said, I go to the Father for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it come to pass that when it come to pass, ye might believe. So the true love would cause the disciples to actually rejoice because Christ is going away to prepare a place for them, just like He is for us. And it will bring glory to God the Father. And what happens in return? The Holy Spirit will come. Can you imagine if he hadn't sent the Holy Spirit and he just left? Oh my goodness. Nothing would have been the same. But he did that. And he foretold these events ahead of time so that they would understand that this is, this is the lineup here, fellas. This is what's going to happen. I'm going to the cross. I'm going to rise again. I'm going back to heaven. The Holy Spirit's coming, and you are going to do greater works. So all of these things, he's letting them know what's ahead and what's coming down the road. You know, do we know what's ahead? We sure do, don't we? We read the book of Revelation. We hear the prophecy sermon series, and we know what's ahead. We know what's going to happen. So he hasn't left us in the dark either. Verse 30. Hereafter I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh and have nothing in me. So there's, we're getting close to a stopping point where these teachings are going to end here. You know, he's told these disciples, had them up there in the room, and they've gone through a whole lot of things, but he said, guess what, fellas? My words are getting ready to kind of come down to a close here. And then we see this talk of the prince of the world. He's coming into the picture where well, he's already stepped in there in the room and, and remember he, he filled Judas's heart to go do what he was going to do. He's tried it with Peter. So he's the prince of the world. I'm glad he's not the king of the world. But he's just the prince. But he has nothing to do with Christ. So Satan, through the behavior of Judas... He's coming. He has nothing to do with me. Christ is the sinless Son of God, and Satan had no part in him. You remember how he wanted to have part in him? When he had him out there in the wilderness and he tempted him? And he said, if you'll just bow down and worship me. He wanted to have part in Christ, but he couldn't do it. Christ wasn't about to let him do it. So, we're going to stop at the end of this last verse here in this chapter. But the world may know that I love the Father and that the Father gave me commandment. Even so do I arise 
and let us go hence. So Christ will not reject those who have come to kill him. He's not going to he's not going to do that. He's in obedience to the Father's command. He's ready to die. He's ready to go and do what he's been here to do and he says arise, let us go hence. So the hour for which Jesus has has come has arrived and he knows he's going to the cross. He's ready to do that and he's ready to move forward in the death that's going to have that shed blood so that you and I can be saved. So praise the Lord for that. Well, that's a good chapter, chapter 14. And chapter 15 is another good one. And it really, once again, just goes right along with our Christian walk and what we are to do. And that's what Christ was all about. He's all about continuing to, for us as Christians, to continue to do what he wants us to do. Amen. You listen to Pastor David Kogel. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.